Good evening and welcome to the Snake River Lib podcast. It's the 24th of February, 2022. Thank you so much for listening. I invite you to share with your friends and uh, acquaintances if you like what you hear. Love to hear any kind of feedback as well on the podcast. So we're going to move on. This one's going to be a short one. We're going to try a little bit different of a format for the Lib podcast today to see how that works. So please uh, let me know what you think. We're going to be short. And I think that's okay. Um, I think that right now, of course, we've got a war going on in uh, Ukraine. Even as we speak, uh, uh, the Russians are firing up their guns and artillery and missile attacks on Ukraine. We're going to go a little bit uh, John Bircher here. Um, for those not aware, John Birch Society was a ultra-conservative group uh, formed back in the 60s, or a little bit before that, actually. One of the forerunners of the conservative movement. One of their phrases, catchphrases, is get us, as in U.S., out of the U.N. Now, I think that with what's going on in Ukraine right now, that we can safely say that the UN has outlived its usefulness, if it was ever worth anything anyway. The reason I mention that part is because back in 1948, the UN did nothing when the Arab nations... uh, tried to eliminate a sovereign state, Israel, um, from existence. By the way, the sovereign state of Israel, as existed in 1948, were the lines that the UN had drawn to establish a, a, a Palestinian Arab state and the state for the Jews, Israel. It was completely indefensible Uh, on Israel's part, some areas as narrow as nine miles wide from border to border. But Israel agreed to it because they wanted peace. They didn't get peace. They got war. And since 1948, there have been numerous times where sovereign nations... have gone into other nations and taken off bits and pieces of the countries. Now, when you're talking about two smaller states on the global scale, for example, the Israel and Arab states, even though um, the Arab world at the time, you know, geographically was pretty sizable, certainly compared to Israel. Globally, it was was, uh, not as significantly important economically to the world as the Arab states are today. In fact, it was a big site of the Cold War between uh, Soviet-sponsored Arab states and U.S.-sponsored Soviets or uh, Arab states. So whenever you have small countries 
doing things like that. It's really hard for you to think that the UN would get really super worked up about that, even though they could really squash it if they wanted to. But as we've progressed, you know, we, you know, the Iraq-Iran war, what did the UN do? Well, you know, they hemmed and hawed and, you know, pontificated and they did nothing. When Iraq invaded Kuwait, what did the UN do? The UN provided a vehicle for the United States. It was not the UN that did it. It was the United States that built the coalition that drove Iraq out of Kuwait. And that war is very important and very instructive because H.W. Bush did not pursue into Iraq. They fulfilled the mandate, the mission, and they left. And that's pretty important because that's what should have been done. But that was not the UN. I mean, the UN was the vehicle that Bush used, but it was not the UN that did it because the UN is really powerless. 2008, um, Putin decides he's going to annex uh, essentially Georgia, one of the former Soviet republics that was a sovereign nation. UN hemmed and hawed, did nothing. 2014, Putin goes into Crimea. You can't even get all of the member states of the UN to say that it's wrong for one nation to invade another sovereign nation. And of course, even if you were to get it, Russia has a veto vote on the UN Security Council, as does, full disclosure, as does the United States, Great Britain, France, and China. Of course, after World War II, when the Soviet Union uh, started to build its buffer in Eastern Europe, the NATO alliance was formed. This is not part of the UN. It's a, it's a separate military alliance. It included the North Atlantic Treaty Organization. It included many nations, most Western nations in Europe, not all, United States and Canada. <clears throat> Soviet Union forms the Warsaw Pact, which is the, the Eastern Europe equivalent of NATO. Poland, East Germany, um, Czechoslovakia, Hungary, you know, those nations. Eighty-nine was the end of um, essentially Warsaw Pact. And what happened to NATO? Well, it's still around, actually. Um, without a purpose, really. Because it's... What is was its purpose? Was to, def to protect Western Europe from the communist threat. 
And while, of course, there's no question that Vladimir Putin, uh, you know, as a former uh, leader of the KGB, very much liked to see the old Soviet Union together, you should not think about Vladimir Putin as putting the Soviet Union together so much as creating a new Russian empire. Be that as it may, Vladimir Putin was threatened by the fact that NATO members were moving east. Lithuania, Estonia, Latvia, the Baltic states, which border Russia, Poland, which borders Belarus, but offering membership to Ukraine, which many uh, neocons in our government wanted to have happen. We'll never know if if cutting Ukraine or making a statement that Ukraine would never be part of NATO would have been enough to for Vladimir Putin to pause. It certainly would have caused the Ukrainians to rethink their alignment with the West. So now... We have Ukraine with a full-fledged invasion from the Russian nation. Three sides coming in. And we're putting sanctions on. Presiding at the UN Security Council right now, because it's a rotating chair, is Russia. What purpose does the UN serve? I'd say it's time to get out of the UN. I'll be right back. Good evening and welcome back to the Lib. Um, I know that seems provocative, talking about getting us out of the UN. It's probably even more provocative to get us out of NATO, but let me let me talk about NATO for just a minute. President Trump went over to a NATO conference and harangued the members for not paying their fair share. Which is odd because I thought that's what the left was all about was people paying their fair share. He also pointed out that, you know, the whole purpose of NATO was to defend Western Europe from the Soviet Union, or what we could even say now the Russian uh, Empire or uh, the Russian Federation. But if that's the point of NATO, why is it that many of these same nations have sold their economies to Putin via fossil fuel. After all, the one Achilles heel, the weak link in Putin's armor, is that his economy is only as stable 
as the West is committed to climate change. Here in the United States, so long as Biden holds the line and we end up with 7 or $8 a gallon gasoline and, and our uh, energy costs for homes triple, we... Uh, Putin makes out like a bandit. Did you know the United States imported over 200 million barrels of oil from Russia last year? Probably the biggest tragedy of the Biden presidency. And while it is not the only reason we have the inflation that we have, it is certainly a huge factor in it. is Biden's decision to end leases for drilling and exploration on federal lands. Lib talked about that when he did that, how even a blue state like New Mexico was contemplating suing the Biden administration because of the amount of money the state receives annually in revenue from the fossil fuel industry. how Indian tribes in Utah were contemplating suing because of the impact on their revenue. The president said he's going to do everything he can to help mitigate the cost of energy in this country, but that's a lie. Or at least... Today, that's a lie. We'll see when we get closer to the elections. When his approval ratings start to look like he wishes that he had Trump's approval ratings. Whether or not they decide to change course. Right now, he's beholden to the left. How beholden is he to the left? Well, Rashida Tlaib, uh, one of the members of the squad, she's from uh, Michigan, is going to give a progressive response to the State of the Union next week. Normally, of course, you know, you have the State of the Union address and then you have the opposition response to the State of the Union address. And that's where uh, up-and-coming or potentially, uh, you know, up-and-coming leaders of, of the opposition party give a speech and they essentially counter all the BS. And that's bipartisan, by the way, as stated in the State of the Union. And the Republicans will give a, a rebuttal to the State of the Union. But so will the squad. Now we hear about how Republicans are divided. I would say the fact that 
the squad is giving a rebuttal to the president's address. Speaks volumes about who's really divided. The squad hopes that all the moderate members of the House of Representatives and the Senate get kicked out. They like that they're retiring. They think that they can put some whack jobs in there and make a difference. They don't understand, and it's unfathomable to me how they don't understand what's happening in this country. Hispanics are are registering as Republicans in record numbers. And based on the 2020 election compared to 2016 and earlier, based on the election this past year in Virginia and other places, there's a trend that Hispanics are leaving the Democratic Party. Doesn't mean they're becoming Republicans, although many of them are. But it means that they realize that the Democratic Party stands for certain things. No border. No criminal justice. No thoughts about the lives and freedoms of individuals. Because you remember, the New York Times, which is a mouthpiece for the Democratic Party, has said that even using the term freedom or referring to the concept of freedom is a white supremacist construct. Democrats hate the individual. Collectivists hate the individual. Republicans are their own form of collectivists. They they like to talk a good game about the Constitution, but they're not playing one very well. I spoke yesterday about the administrative state in the United States, but I just want to close reminding you that you have people that are completely unaccountable in New York at the United Nations that routinely condemn freedom, that routinely condemn those kind of things because they stand for the collective rights of others. They will not condemn Russia for its invasion of Ukraine. And because we've allowed small states to bicker back and forth and fight each other back and forth, You've got one now, a large state, that's in the process of taking over another one. No, the United States should not get involved. The Libs' view is that we need to get out of the UN. We need to talk to our partners and say, we're going to form our own little club. If you want to join, that's fine. But we're not going to pay the sizable percentage of the UN's budget that we have been paying. And we should get out of NATO. The Germans and others 
are feeding the beast that NATO was built to stop. President Trump was spot on when he pointed that out to the Germans. What good is a treaty with people who have no intention of keeping it anyway? That's not just pointed at Russia or China, who have both, in the last uh, 10 years, flagrantly violated treaties regarding sovereignty. It's longer than I thought, so I apologize for that. I'm going to work on the format a little bit more, but there's a lot to be said. Get us out of the UN. As far as governments go, mind your business. And I'll mind mine. It's the Snake River Lib. Good night.